Guys, welcome to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen, the episode 100 bonus. That's right. We don't count the bonus episodes numbered, but they're in there, they're supplemental. That's absolutely Thank right. you so much for listening to episode 100. If you haven't listened to it, please go what and listen to episode 100. Yeah, it came out on Wednesday. Today, George, we're talking about the films that we didn't want to talk about in the main episode. Mm-hmm. Today, you're going to be talking about Bottoms. I'm going to be talking about Anatomy of a Fool. Yes. But George, Bottoms, you got the chance to yes, see it this week. I did. Tell me more. I like this because we've sort of spun off and caught different films and we're coming back to Very different films, yes. I think. Yeah. Oh yes, very different. So Bottoms is a film directed by Emma Seligman. It's her sophomore film, her second uh, feature film, <laughs> after she made a film about two years ago called Shiver Baby, which was this really tight 79-minute film, which was kind of a black comedy, but also incredibly claustrophobic about uh, a shiver. And the main character, played, played by Rachel Senot, who... Is, is stuck at this shiver with her family and there are loads of secrets and there's, you know, there's an affair, there's lots of stuff. It's tense, it's uncomfortable, it's funny. And it was a really interesting movie. And I was really, uh, you know, I, I, ever since then, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch out for what Emma Seligman does next. Yeah. So here comes Bottoms. And Bottoms is actually co-written by Seligman and Rachel Sennott. Now, Rachel Sennott is an actor. If, if you didn't know these two films, you'd know her. She's in was in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as yeah. well. And... Um, it's produced by Elizabeth Banks and it stars Rachel Senart as well and also Ayod Idabiri from The Bear. And she was on our list of most, uh, yeah, most exciting, exciting actors. actors. Go and check the episode out. Um, also features really a whole kind of cast of quite new talent, new faces. Uh, Kaya Gerber's in there, you know. That, Gerber, Gerber? Gerber. I think it's Gerber. Sidney Crawford's daughter. Yeah. And also Mashan Lynch, who was a former, I looked this up, is a former NFL player. Um, Bottoms. What is the premise of Bottoms? Well, Bottoms is has been described as like a raucous, bloody, horny teen sex comedy. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Right, because I hadn't. I here's the thing. Right. So I was. Well, I'll get to that. So um, about uh, uh, PJ and oh god, they're two names. I'm going to just call them Rachel Sennott and Iowa Debiri. Yeah. They play two gay best friends who are classic high school tropes. You know, they, 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 they really want to sleep with people, but they haven't slept with anyone. And, you know, you, you kind of have this opening scene where they go to this kind of like homecoming fair where they see the girls they really want to, like these, these two cheerleaders who they really want to like sleep with. And it's like kind of funny and awkward. And at the same time, you have um, all the sort of men in the film, the kind of the quarterbacks are like hysterical, ridiculous characters, very much like a bunch of Kens, actually, like, the, you know, Barbie Ken. Yeah. And the, through a, a, a random sort of set of plot circumstances, what happens is uh, Rachel Sennott's character and Iowa Dabiri, they set up a fight club. Or well, <laughs> ostensibly a... a jump yes, exactly. A self-defense class for women, but one of them is like, it's a fight club for women at the school. And they, they're saying, oh, yes, for self-defense, but really they're doing it with a pretense of trying to get close to and, sub- and hopefully sleep with the cheerleaders that they right, fancy, okay. right? That's the kind of setup. It's like the flip of that from, like, decades past would be, like, the football guy joining the theater thing. Oh, yeah. With the theater Fish out of water. Yeah. Like, well, let's just, like, lie away. Oh, she's the man kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, I, I was really, I'm really excited to see Bottoms, and I... Not only because like it was like this, like I said, I was interested in the filmmaker, but because um, it has this kind of like energy about it, and had lots of great 
reviews. It came out in the States maybe about two months ago and looked like rapturous reviews. I was like, this is looking good. And actually, I, I hadn't watched a trailer. I hadn't watched any material on it nice. because I just didn't need to. I was like, I already yeah. want to see it. It's my new thing. Um, and I think the first thing to say about uh, Bottoms is that it is like, I, I, and this did actually slightly catch me off guard. It is incredibly wacky and crazy and absurd and silly and um i've seen people call it like a satire i mean i don't i didn't see that in there at all actually but um what it is is absolutely a film that is punky and and different and celebrates women queerness and also just being different in uh, in the kind of high school context i also think sorry it's really hard to i think do the high school typical teenage drama right now because i feel like it's become its own side genre and it's very easy to sort of it's like every take almost has to reinvent the wheel yes completely i think it's quite hard to do that and um so 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 that's this is kind of you know done in this really absurd style um I will also say, actually, before I before I jump into my review, that I will I I also like straight away was like this film isn't made for me, right? I yeah. I, I accept this film is not made for me. No, I, you know the way I just described it about being you know women queerness and and, and difference. It's like I I I fully recognise that as a straight white male member of the audience. Like this isn't made for me. That's totally fine. Mm. Um, here's the thing with bottoms though. Just despite my excitement for it, and despite being really open to it, I I just didn't get on with it. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about why it is. And the thing is, I, I just didn't find it very funny. Yeah. And if it's not funny, it doesn't work at all. And, and that's not a re- that's really kind of boring takeaway to say. It's a 90 minute film, so it's not long. Yeah. But within 20 minutes, I was like, oh, wow, this is not, why is this not clicking with me? And I was really thinking about why it wasn't making me laugh. And I think the, the first thing is, is, is this style, this really, really absurdist style just I found just that did didn't work and really threw me off and and I, I I I'm I'm open I'm open season for all kinds of comedy I love kind of silly absurd stuff or like deadpan whatever I, I'm, mm. I'm open game but that for this for some reason it didn't quite work I think it's because it begins by kind of presenting itself as something that's you know ostensibly set in the real world you know like a, like a, like a film like Booksmart right mm. and um, you know when they go into high school at the beginning of the film. They, they turn up at their lockers and there's like homophobic slurs written on their lockers. And I was like, oh, wow, that's an interesting, yeah, like that really kind of grounds the film a little bit. And then they are in the classroom and then this, this sort of voiceover announcement from the, the Tannoy announcement from the, the principal. And he's like, will the untalented gays please come to my office? And I'm like, and some people like laughed at that point, but I was like, whoa, I was like, oh, so... It's like meant the, to be absurd. Yeah, I was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, the, the parents, so the, the adults in this film are, are weird and crazy too. And right. sure enough, when they go to the principal's office, he's like a completely like buffoon character. Yeah. But the thing is, is that uh, I've been really trying to find a way to describe it properly that isn't just like an insult to like the comedy that's happening. I've yeah. been really trying to think about why it doesn't work. And it's like every single character in this film is going turning every uh, turning Sirens turning the, yeah, Sirens on around, turning their comedic dials up to 11 and the way i, I can describe it is it fe- the whole film fe- has um improv group energy right yeah and in the sense that sometimes things will happen in scenes where it's like wouldn't it be funny if wouldn't it be funny if this person said this? this idea today and, and each character each actor is like oh i'm gonna get my character to do this i'm gonna get my character to do that and then in the script they're like wouldn't it be funny if we said that which is fine in a way but after a couple of scenes i'm like there is for me no consistency here about 
the, the, the type of comedy or, or anything to kind of ground it as well. So mm. a character would like say something as a joke and I'd be like, okay, uh, uh, I get that. And then two, two scenes later, they would say something as a different kind of joke, but I'd be like, yeah, but that's, that contradicts what you said earlier. I, I, I felt really, really, uh, I was kind of baffled a lot of the time. And I, again, I hate, it's really hard to describe this film um, because, you know, I, it was throwing lots of jokes at the screen and I would almost go to laugh when it would happen because I could see the beats coming. Mm. But then my brain would be like, yeah, but this comedy doesn't work. You shouldn't have to try and make sense of a joke. That's yeah. it. And I think it's because it really, there was no, uh, there was no sort of foothold in like reality or, 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 or maybe just the style wasn't full enough there. Maybe it wasn't like absurd enough because every so often they would do a scene where they tried to be real and talk about like relationships and like, yeah. and then I'd be like, yeah, but hang on, you just did something in the previous scene, which completely makes me think that all of this is absurd. But now you're trying to make me care about this thing. It's like, are you going to go full airplane? Or are you actually going to make this a bit more something like super bad? Like, I, and uh, I, I got really confused. And there's, you know, the, the violence in this film is really punchy and like crunchy. And, and I, I just got really bewildered and, and lost about where, where they were pointing the comedy. Like where... Yeah. That every every single character, like I said, was dialing it up to eleven, and like I said, it has this improv energy, which is like, oh my god, yeah, and wouldn't it be funny if you do that thing, and then you watch the scene, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? And it's not like, oh my god, that's so funny. There's, there's a bit like where a character goes home and and discovers her mum doing something, and I'm, and, it, and this is relevant to the, the actual plot of the film as well, which and and and, and I think. And people sort of went, oh, wow. And I'm like, I did, I'm, no, that doesn't make any sense. Where, where's that come from? But it's not absurdist enough because it also wants you to make you care in a plot. And I can hear myself getting tangled up in knots about this film, which is really stupid because it's not for me. It, it, you know, I, I, there are people in my screening room who are really laughing and enjoying it. Yeah. But I sat there and to be fair, a guy, you know, a guy in his like mid forties, like two seats down from me. We kind of sat there with kind of like a quizzical look on our face. We occasionally smirked and stuff, but he, I remember him saying to someone when he came in, it was like, oh, I'm really excited to see this. Yeah, my daughter showed it to me. I'm, I'm really, really keen to watch it. And we just sat there in stone silence. Um, it's really bizarre. And just to back up what I mean about this improv energy is that sure enough, when you get to the end of the film, they then show the blooper reel and the reel of all the alternate takes of, oh, of, all, like the, of all, the, all the lines they tried. And I'm like, yeah, each, each scene each line and the whole film feels like it, they made it up as they were going along. Right. So it never really gelled together. And I'm don't, I don't necessarily need a comedy film to do that. You can have a film like Anchorman, which is so stupid, really stupid and absurd. But it's dialed in. But it's like the plot of Anchorman is not really important. It's not making you want to care about All of stuff. those comedy sequences are very much... They're, they're locked in. You're yeah. not. They're, they're synchronized like a dance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas this, it, people I, say that about uh, this is the end as well. They complain that oh, it feels like a bit like I'm watching these guys improv. Wouldn't it be funny if yeah. the version of the character I'm playing of myself said this at that moment? Yeah. And it sometimes needs to be reined in. And that's bit. what I kind of. It's kind of in this nether. For me, it kind of fell into this kind of nether zone of not being absurd enough to get to pull off some of the jokes that it wanted to do, but then also not being real enough to make the jokes that are there be ties to anything. Mm. And uh, I, I, was, I was really, I you. was so sad at how quickly I realized that this film was just not making me laugh. Yeah. It just was not funny. And I felt frustrated. I got to the end, I thought, oh. Cause almost like if you say, oh, this film isn't about me or about, you know, 
things that I'm into. If it's funny, it should really... It should work. It should work. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, well, I'm not the people represented on screen, therefore I can't find it funny. If it works, yeah. it really should work. And I was thinking about, like, Barbie. And it, there are kind of, like, thematic overlaps with Barbie. And, you know, Barbie is loony and crazy and yeah. silly as well. Um, but some of it really makes... But some of Barbie like, is really, really funny. Yeah. There's just nothing that funny in this. It's a lot of people going like, Haha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Character will then say something a little bit too far, a little bit outrageous. And people yeah. go, what? No, I just think, well, you're kind of like saying something a little bit strange. Maybe when comedy's really arch and absurdist, like if you think of like Hot Fuzz, yeah. ev everybody else's lines are really, are really weird, apart from Sergeant Angel. And he acts as a very good anchoring point for the audience to be like, oh, okay, like I'm discovering everyone yeah. being strange with Sergeant Angel and that. And he plays quite an important comedic role for the whole film. But also with a film like Hot Fuzz, the comedy is like machine tooled. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scripted. <clears throat> everything is deliberate. Every no one, camera. it's not riffing. <coughs> they haven't got to set and gone, exactly. okay, try out um, yeah. this thing. And I do find like, in a, it's much more of a tradition in American comedy mm. with things... Uh, improv is much bigger in America anyway. SNL style. SNL, Second City, Upright Citizens Brigade, where they... You know, they've, they've all come from comedic groups and they bring that kind of riffingness to movies, which you didn't get in something like Hot Fuzz, where mm. it's machine-tooled. I, I, I hear myself talking about this film and I don't think I've done a great explainer because all I've basically said is, here's the film, I didn't really find it funny and I don't really know why, but I think it's... I. I I even tried to find other reviews. A lot of the time people are just absolutely glowing about it. And it could be that maybe I was caught off guard by how weird it is. If I, if I knew that it was going to be so absurd, if I had seen the trailer and oh. I got an idea of the tone, yeah. maybe that would include it in. But ultimately I just don't think the jokes are that funny. I think the jokes are quite, some of the jokes are quite lame. They're right. quite, they're quite like low level. Like I don't, I just don't think the jokes are that funny in the film. Yeah. Sorry. Wouldn't it be crazy if this character did this thing? Hey, I'm going to, Hey, Not I got really. a bomb. What? Not really. Yeah. Nah. Sorry. Well, there you go, guys. If you get the chance to see Bottoms and you have... Also, sorry. Sorry, yeah, I'm just interrupting you. I, 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 I came home <laughs> and I, I, said, I, told, I told Anna about it. She was like, why is it called Bottoms? And I'm like, why indeed? Because the, the idea is that they like, they're like, we're the bottom of the bottom, you know? No one wants us. We are like, we're the bottom of the group. We need to get up to this cheerleaders. And I'm like, you guys are intelligent attractive and smart. Uh, it's a, oh, sorry, intelligent, attractive and funny. Do you know like when gay people are bottoms, it means that No, it's not, but it's not. I, it's not that. Well, I, I thought it was going to be a gay thing. Oh. I thought it was going to be a gay pun, but it's, it's not. It's not. Oh. I thought that was it. I thought, I thought it was going to be that. Unless it's in there and I missed it, which I guess I could have done. But like, it's, it's, there's literally a bit where she's like, we are the bottom of the bottoms. We've got to get, we've oh, got right. to get up there. Oh, okay, that's different then. So it's like, like in between us. But I'm like, you're not. You're, you're, you're like really intelligent. You're really funny. Yeah. You're really attractive. Like you can't, you can't tell me that you're like Will McKenzie in the in between yeah. us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it wasn't for me. Well, guys, if you've seen Bottom is, but if you, well, guys, if you've seen Bottom, you, you, you are a bottom and you have some different uh, thoughts on the film, please send them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Or if you agree with George, we'd love to hear from you as well. Yeah, please uh, do. Because I'd i love to hear, get with all films. It wasn't yeah. for me, but if people out there, if they enjoyed it and it found its audience, great. Yeah. I'm actually more interested to hear from people who like maybe feel slightly differently from their experience of the film than us. Because I love hearing from like the Killers of the Flower Moon people who are like, oh my God, isn't it great? Yeah. We're like, oh my God, yeah, isn't it great too? But I yes, would love to hear more impressions. I might, might try and see it when it's out. But and we'll when I came out, there was a you know a group of women behind me, and they were talking to each other like, "Oh, it's so funny the way it kind of like mm. inverted tropes and how anarchic it is." And uh, yeah. and I was kind of like, "Well, I'm glad you guys found that." I just 
I can see it being anarchic, but I just didn't think it was funny. There's also some comedies which people really think are off the cuff that aren't. Like everyone's like, oh, Kirby Enthusiasm. Like it must be so improvised. Yeah. And Larry David in every interview is like, no, no, like it's a script. And yeah. It's locked in and we rehearse it until it's right and it's yeah. executed. Yeah. Like there's sort of, like people do little bits in the, in the beginning, but they are also they also know their character better. But like the vision is very much locked in, and I think it's it's some, sort of an illusion sometimes the idea of uh, mm. something being um, what's the word improvised yeah. when actually like you can tell when something feels like it it, ed- it doesn't edit nicely sometimes yeah. when things are improvised. Yeah. Anyway, I've vented my spleen enough. So James, the winner of the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival this year was Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, just or about. Anatomy Don't Shoot. Don't Shoot. Français. Oh, shoot, I fell down. <laughs> oh, Anatomy. No, it's a very serious movie, George. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> yeah. it. Um, tell us about it. Anatomy of a Fall. Once again, George, didn't watch the trailer. Knew very little going in apart from won a big fancy award and like another just like general thumbs up from someone else who had seen it and that it was good. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall is directed by Justine Triet or Trier. I'm sorry if I've like not got the right pronunciation there. Uh, is set in France in uh, a mountainous region of Grenoble in France. And we presented with this couple. Sandra and Samuel, but originally only we just presented with Sandra of at the day in question. Um, and she's being interviewed about her literary work as a writer by a journalist. And they have a son who's partially blind from an accident in the past. And uh, this whole incident occurs where Samuel, the husband, is in the attic blasting music really really loud like imposing all over the house because he's doing uh he's sort of fixing the insulation in the roof and the interview ends and sandra decides to uh do a bit of work in her bedroom put some earplugs in and go to sleep meanwhile their son takes their dog out for a walk and when the son comes back he sees the house that they live in with the music blaring and he eventually sees because he's partially blind the sight of his father Uh, surrounded by blood, dead, uh, right below the window where he was working. And the music's still playing, and his his dog obviously sees it first, and then he feels the presence of his his father's body, screams to get his mum. His mum rushes out, and their father is dead. And so, you know, they're both absolutely traumatised, and they go through this whole process. And there's now this question of, did he fall from the attic that he was working in? Did he jump in an attempt to commit suicide or was he pushed? And below the window where he falls is a sort of like a functional box where like you might keep firewood or something where he could have potentially smashed his head and and died. And the next two and a half hours is is a study in increasingly intense detail investigating his death and subsequently the analysis of their relationship, right? And it starts from a very matter-of-fact autopsy of the body, which has a blow to the head, which could have been from where he could have hit this Mm. box. And it's an inconclusive autopsy where they don't know for sure Mm. if this is a blow, they don't know how the body fell, if it was a push, if it was a fall, if it was Mm. something else, right? And what follows is a full forensic analysis at first of the house and the window and test bodies. And, you know, she has to bring a lawyer involved to sort of, you know, ensure that... Mm she's not going to get you know accused of murder and because all of that is inconclusive what then follows is an analysis of their relationship what their dynamic was like every single thing that was said in the lead up to that day which could potentially allude to suicidal tendencies 
motive to commit murder and how responsible Sandra is to that, okay? And as a mystery story, I loved how open it was and the film is very ambiguous for, its, for, for most of its runtime as to what really happened, but it never really tries to withhold information. The camera and the cinematography are very just matter-of-fact and they're always in service of giving the audience the correct information as and when it comes. And that could be like standard cinematography with a camera presenting you something or the camcorder that a forensics team is using to capture stuff around the house and they reveal information as you do or the newsreader outside the courthouse mm. uh, going through there. It's, it was really, really gripping. I thought it was just brilliant. Wow. It's long at about two and a half hours, yeah. but I think it really deserves it deserves to be it was chilly in its setting and like bone chillingly raw and <clears throat> and honest to watch uh, there's this whole sense where language between the family members is really important and it's sort of a 50 50 split mm. between french and english and um, no one none of the characters speak in their native tongue so sandra is german and she speaks in english to her husband who's french mm. and there's sort of this um, there's this idea that's slightly lost on i think us as brits because we sort of all just speak english but in europe there's more this idea of like you know a french person might meet a german person but the french person doesn't speak german the german person doesn't really speak french so they end up in this like middle ground of english mm. and their son might speak a bit more french than the other mm. ones there's a different connection and there's a, something that's lost in communication mm. between partners, which I think we take for granted a bit because we're quite used to you meet someone, they're probably going to speak English, mm. you're going to speak English as a default. I just found that quite interesting. But there's a sense that no one's really understanding each other. Things are being lost. Um, Sandra Huller, whose name, whose character's name is also... So everyone's... This is, I'll get onto this point later. Everyone's name is, name the, 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 is the name of the character, right? So Sandra Huller, I think, has given the acting performance of the year. Wow. I'm like, very happy to call that wow. right away. Her like complete <laughs> command of portraying emotion that's very clear and also withholding something to herself mm. was just like so well done. Mm. And I think... It's, it's a performance that I kept thinking, like, why is this working? I think it's just really balanced. Mm. And it doesn't, it could so easily have drifted into melodrama. And there are very few moments where the film is like, this is the most dramatic scene. But when it's there, it's like, it's really bone chillingly raw and emotionally real. And it's like that horrible feeling when you're listening to two people arguing and you really should probably like go mm. out for a coffee. Uh, just so so well done it has a courtroom drama for most of the film that i think would make aaron sorkin purr wow. um i think it's long it's two and a half hours but it's deeply complicated mm. and i think it really earns its right to be that complex mm. because the devil is in the details and all the details were just great and it just reveals information to you at the right amount of time i think it maybe indulges in itself a bit too much in being this like sweeping mm. relationship study but i think winning the palm door kind of like you kind of have to do that to yeah, win the palm yeah, yeah. door and it just does it really well uh, it's essential. It's go out and watch this. Right, wow. Really, really, really good. I'm very jealous I because I feel like you, you saw the good, <laughs> good one. <laughs> you got the top and I, I got, got the, good one. the bottom. The bottom. Uh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, we actually have an email from someone about Anatomy of a Fool. Oh, I'd love to read it out. Get it out. While you do that, so there's this... So in part of the film is a study on the... The, the literary work. So because like so much has to be deduced and inferred about this relationship, right? And they need to decide, well, when you did say that thing, 
what did he mean? And what is that dynamic you have? And when you took that idea, how did he react to that? Because they need to figure out, like, does she have a motive to commit murder? Does he have a motive to commit suicide? Or was it just a coincidence? Mm. And one of the things that um, they, this idea that they adopt is that she writes in her novels about very personal things that have happened to her mm. and very personal conversations. And in certain moments in her books, she talks about, like, anger and rage and willingness to mm. do something. And, of course, in court, they're like, you can't simply take a thing of fiction and use that and it's like yes but you've used the same names as the people in real life as you've used in fiction and there's something really horrifyingly meta that this entire story has the same names of the actors in it and so you're watching this being like who wrote this and are they okay and what happened but you can't really focus because you have to you have to get the detail of what's being said and it's just it's just so so realistic and uh, raw i keep saying raw bone chilling um yeah that, that meta bit when I was walking out the cinema was really quite like a lot for me to handle. I was like, I, don't, I can't process the layers of how deep this goes, but yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Uh, we did have some people write in about it. Um, mm-hmm. Jared wrote in, uh, actually, it, Jared wrote in about All of Us Strangers, which I reviewed from, from the London Film Festival, which we will review properly, um, yes. which we will, I will read out your email, Jared, once you on James sees it and everyone else goes to see it in January. But he actually writes in saying that um, Anatomy of the Fall was his film of the year, until he saw all of us strangers, actually. Fine, okay. Uh, which beat it. But I, I remember seeing Jared's email come in and I thought, ooh. Yeah. It shoots to the top of my list, which I haven't made yet. Yeah. It's com- comfortably in the top oh, five, God, potentially okay. in the top I'm so three. I don't know I can make it, but I, it, when is that out? I think it's out on the 3rd or the soon. 3rd of November? Yeah, maybe the 10th? Within, within a week for this coming out. Right, well, there you go. You have it there from James. So go yeah. and see Anatomy of a Fall. It's essential. It's giving like... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people aren't... aren't 100% in love with it but it's worth going and seeing and just yeah like don't no need to reveal you know what it's actually hard to spoil because yes it's ambiguous but the debt the dirt what would be spoiled is like so detailed and complex it'd be hard it's, to explain it'd it. be hard to explain it and it's just so well written it's like that novel-esque yeah. in how how much it unfolds to you and you come out two and a half hours like god i feel like i've just read an entire mm diatribe and like the, the inherent uh structure of a court case is to get all of the detail all mm. of it out there the lawyers who play all the different mm. sides are just great okay. i don't want to gush too much anatomy of a fall if you have seen it let us know what your thoughts are um let us know that's it that's, that's our reviews it. we reviewed things on this bonus episode guys thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of pop kitchen as you know we said at the top of the episode we just put out our 100th episode so if you haven't listened to that yet go and check it out Next week, we'll keep going. The show isn't being... Imagine sure. if we just capped it at 100. It's done. That's it. Boom. Done. That's it. Like, yeah. By the way, this is our last show. Last um, show. Hot 100. Drop the mic. Yeah. yeah. We did a whole rebrand. <laughs> just ended it just there. Just one episode. Yeah. Uh, see you see next you week, guys.